Amen. Amen. Love you, brother. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, boy. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody okay? Good, good, good. Had me some uh, Cracker Barrel yesterday, and he always overeat at Cracker Barrel, and so suffering from a little bit of food coma, but that's okay. You know, as the Lord um, was showing me, I don't know, I, I, I tend to preach on the things that I, that I struggle with the most, the things that really weigh on my heart. And instead of avoiding it, I believe that the Lord like presses those convictions on me. Uh, one, to relate me to you, and two, to um, hopefully preach a message that changes all of us, not just me. A, a message that, that will hopefully cut to the heart of the problems that we face here in this country and in this world. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the strength to do something about it. Um, I got to confess something to you this morning. Uh, and it's something that, that I am a part of and I'm tired of being a part of. When I look at what's been going on in this world, you know, how accepting evil has been in this world... I think of two things. One, how poor of an excuse of a Christian I can be in my lifestyle, in my thoughts, in my actions, in my choices, in the things that I choose to say and the things that I choose not to say. And this is something I confess to you guys and something I need your prayers with, prayers for as far as accountability, because we are called to be so much more than church people. We are called to be so much more than a congregation that shows that they love God once a week. When we call ourselves Christians, we are literally representing Christ today here on earth. And I am so, so tired of being fake. I'm so tired of living my life with this sugar-coated, un-Americanized Christian shell that people only see on Sundays or when it's relevant or when it's comfortable. I'm so tired of building up this Christ-sized wallpaper that everybody sees Jesus when they see it, you know, that's a mile high but only a, a, a couple of inches thick. And I want you to understand this and I don't want you guys to think that I'm, I'm, I'm coming down on you guys to, to, to make you feel bad, but to, to learn as I am learning what the duty is and the responsibility is that we have when we call ourselves believers, when we call ourselves Christians, little Christs, Christ represented here on earth in the good things that we do, but also in the bad. 
Let me tell you something, church, something that the Lord has been really pressing in on my heart, and I hate it because I know I need to hear it, but at the same time, I know it's my purpose, that people, when you call yourself a Christian, people are going to identify Jesus in you in the good things that you do, but also in the bad. So if I'm upset, and if I choose to allow my flesh to dictate my decisions, people are going to look at that as if Christ was making those same decisions. And that's a scary thought. And two, I think of those who willingly, daily, give up their lives all around the world for the cause of Christ. For those who... who earn the right to be called a Christian, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week, and who are willing to give up not only their lives, but the lives of their family and their children and their friends and their enemies for the cause of Christ. And I can no longer call myself a Christian if I can't adapt to that same lifestyle or that same death style. Christianity, worship is supposed to be a lifestyle. And the more I think of this, and the more the Lord convicts me on it, one, I am ashamed, but two, I am also compelled to live my faith seriously, on and off the stage, in and outside of the pews, into a world that desperately needs Jesus into a world that has become so convinced that Christianity is wrong because of my lifestyle. In a world that justifiably hates the church and God because of my representation or my poor representation of Christ. These aren't easy things to say. These aren't easy things to admit, but if we are called to be Christians, if we are called out of darkness into his wondrous light, we better act like it. We better live it, not just with our words, not just with our amens, not just with our applause, but with our lifestyles, with our friends, and especially with our enemies, because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of our sin, our depravity, in the midst of our hatred toward God, he willingly chose to sacrifice the death of his son to show us how much he loves us. And I am tired of being a poor version of Jesus. I'd like to start this sermon off with with a letter um, that was written Uh, by a young man of of 18 years old. It reads this. My dear parents, the Lord has shown me the way and I have decided to follow it. I will now have more severe and bigger battles than I have ever had to deal with. But do not fear because he goes before me. Do not grieve for me, my dear parents. Why? Because I love Jesus more than I love myself. I desire to listen to him, though my body does somewhat fear and does not wish to go through all that is before me. Yet I will not await my own will, but follow as the Lord leads. For he says, go, and I will go. Do not grieve if this is your son's last letter. For I have seen visions and I have heard angels speak and amazed at how your son has literally talked to angels. Even though... 
I have my own sins and failings, failings. I know that the Lord has wiped them all away. I no longer wish to live for myself, but only as the Lord wishes. Holy God, I am ashamed of who I am. But I know you have called us. You have called me. You have called this church to represent you just as much as Jesus did when he was here on this earth with his love, with his actions, with his compassion, and with his mercy. May your Holy Spirit change us completely in a world that's so fixed on tearing itself apart. Use us, Father, to be your light, your genuine light. And if we claim to have the greatest truth in all of creation, then let that be exposed in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. John 15, uh, chapter 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love. The letter recited to you this morning uh, was from a young man, as I said before, by the age of 18, who was tortured and killed for his faith in the 1970s. A man who was so, a young man who was so sold out to Jesus that his faith was not determined by his mortal circumstances, but by the compassion, compassionate and immovable power and eternal majesty of the Holy Spirit. This man became a soldier, uh, became a Christian as a soldier in uh, communist Russia. And because he would not renounce his love for Jesus, he was beaten and burned and literally torn apart because of his faith in Christ and his stubborn will to love and pray for his fellow soldiers and his captors. Towards the end of his life, they put him on a stretching board. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart. It's a pretty powerful movie. But if you understand the ending, you understand the ending of this man's life. He was only 18 years old. My youth are 18. A lot of my youth are 18. And I think of stories like this, and I think, what kind of life is this? What kind of love and faith is this that would compel a young man to willingly love his torturers, his captors, those who uh, hate him and despise him because of his faith, for him to turn around and show godly, Christian, eternal love? It's something that I don't understand, but something that I want to understand. How many of you have heard of the, uh, the organization, the Voice of the Martyrs? Anybody? Good, good. Well, if you haven't, I strongly encourage you, please, that you check them out as soon as you get home today. They are a ministerial group whose sole purpose is to share the stories of those who currently give up their lives for the cause of Christ. Currently, not 200 years ago, not 2,000 years ago, not when the church was just in formation, but today. Those who willingly, every age, give up their lives for Jesus. Please listen to this true story that took place just this last August. We're in September, guys. Just this last August. Christian Aid Mission, a humanitarian group which assists Christian workers in their native countries, reported the horrific events that took place on August 28th in an unnamed village outside of Aleppo in Syria. The story is graphic. I want you to prepare yourselves. Relatives of those who were killed by militants' captures say that the Christian workers in their village 
were captured. Reports say that the militants asked the group if they had renounced Islam for Christianity. When the Christians confirmed, the rebels asked them if they wanted to return back to Islam. When the Christians said that they would not renounce their faith in Christ, the Islamic extremists in front of a large crowd began to beat, torture, and cut off the fingertips of a 12-year-old boy in front of his father who was also their pastor and said that they would only stop if he would return back to Islam. When his father refused, the militants began to beat and torture them and two other ministry workers before all three men in the boy were crucified. On that same day, eight other Christians in the same village, including two women, were taken to another side and asked the same questions before the crowd. The two women, ages 29 and 33, were placed in front of a ruthless crowd. Christian Aid reports that as the two women and the six men knelt before being killed, they began to pray lovingly and loudly for their captors. They began to pray lovingly and asking God to forgive them and to bless them and encourage them in the middle of their execution. After they were beheaded, their bodies were hung on crosses. August 28th, last month, let that sink in. Let that sink in when you choose to call yourself a Christian, when you choose to take that God-given title out into the world. What it costs. Matthew 10, 21 says that in the last days, brother will betray brother to death and his father, his child, and children will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Matthew 24, verse 9 says, and they will deliver you into tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Is your faith really this important to you? Is your faith, is your lifestyle, is your title as a Christian, as a representative of God himself here on earth, really that important to you? It's very important to ask these things because I really do believe that we're living in the last days. I do believe this. And even if I'm wrong, about living in the last days, there are many people all around us who will not live to see tomorrow. Many people, your friends, your relatives, your enemies. My church, we need to come to the very real realization that every day people go into a deep, dark place called hell without knowing the hope of Jesus. Let me say that again. Every day, we need to come to that realization that every day, people that we know and we don't know come into a deep, or they go into a deep, dark place called hell without the hope and the love of Jesus. And we sometimes have the audacity to hold ourselves back because we don't want to offend them or make them feel uncomfortable. How dare me? I don't want to live like that. I don't want my faith to be determined by how comfortable I am. Guess what, church? 
<laughs> newsflash, the church and the Bible is uncomfortable. The Bible is uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because it's the truth. And it gets in the devil's plans to destroy our lives rather than fulfill them. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, why did I come here today? <laughs> you know, um, I thought this, I was supposed to hear a sermon. I'm just letting you guys know what's on my heart and what I believe that the Lord has caused me to share with you. But some of you might be thinking, where's the encouragement? You know, where's the love, man? <laughs> You know, isn't the church supposed to be a place of encouragement and strength and refuge and peace? Well, my church, that's exactly my point. The church that Jesus has created is supposed to be one with stubborn love and stubborn hands and feet, with a realization of the darkness all around us and the duty that we have to shine a light everywhere we go, no matter the cost. Everywhere we go. And it's more about clapping in agreement. It's about using your faith and your feet and combining the two to make a real and genuine difference in this world. As I said before, if we claim to have the ultimate truth, the reason why we exist is to know Christ and to make him known. Why are we willing just to keep that to Sunday morning? Why are we willing just to share our love and our gratefulness for the sacrifice and the cause of Christ amongst other believers? Yet we sometimes tend to shrink back from the darkness and allow our fears and our insecurities to define our relationship with God by what little we do for Him. Let me say that again. We sometimes tend to shrink back from the darkness and allow, allow our fears and our insecurities to define our relationship with God by what little we do for Him. If I am a child of God, I need to be obedient. I need to be willing to love and to serve those that I like and those that I can't stand. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our hypocrisy, Christ chose to willingly die for us, knowing how many times we backstab him in the future, knowing how many times we would misrepresent his name. He willingly chose to die for us. If we claim to follow the greatest truth in all of creation, why is it so easy to keep that truth inside of us? Because of our friendships, our jobs, our comfort? Think about it. If Jesus, that's God himself, okay? Jesus, that's God himself, experienced the height of discomfort only to be tortured and killed publicly on a cross, why can't we stomach up the nerve to keep our faith to ourselves so that others won't be offended? I mean, if, if, if my relationship with Christ is all that I can, uh, is, is to just stomach up enough confidence to show my faith, to show my Christianity in front of other believers, what good is that? How is that representing my walk with Christ? How is that representing that I have literally been taken out of darkness by somebody's sacrifice into light? Church, I want you to do something for me. I want you to be willing to be hated. It's a weird thing to say, but I want you to be willing to be disliked, to be hated, to be gossiped about for the cause of Christ. The Bible is uncomfortable, but as I said before, it's uncomfortable because it's the truth. We are in a battle. We are in a war. 
How sharp are your weapons? As Keith Green, one of my favorite musicians, as he so eloquently put it, he said, I'd rather have people hate me with the knowledge that I try to save them. I'd rather have people hate me and despise me and talk bad about me and curse me into my face with the knowledge and the realization that I have tried to save them. That I did everything in my power, regardless of how awkward it feels, regardless of how weird it might be, that I did everything in my power to let them know of the love of Christ and the state of their spiritual condition by realizing the state of mine. It's more than just proclaiming Christ with your mouth, but with your hands and with your feet. Being ever willing to go out and seek justice, seek the same kind of justice that has also saved you. You know, when I usually preach on Sundays, it's usually, I'm usually a lot like happier and cheerfuler and I'll prance around, you know. But as I said, I just, I strongly feel that we need to rise up as a church building. And so that we come here being more than encouraged, but strengthened, but sharpened, but willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus outside of the church. It's more than just obligation to come to church. It's a lifestyle. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. It says, Christ arrived. This is your relationship with Christ. This is your relationship with God. This is what took you, this is what had to happen in order for you to be at peace with God and to have a genuine relationship with Him. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11 says, Christ arrived at the right time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't, I love that, He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready, but He presented Himself for the sacrifice, uh, sacrificial death when we were too far and weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. Your righteousness is of filthy rags before the sight of God if it hadn't been for Jesus. It says, we can stand someone dying for somebody worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to a selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. We are worthless without Jesus. We are purposeless without Jesus. We are forever lost without Jesus. He's why you exist. He's why your enemies exist. He's why you have been saved. Another version says that, as I said before, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus willingly chose to seek after us, every single one of us, not only with his words, but with his stubborn and beautiful love. Verses 9 through 11 says that now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If even when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms to God by this sacrificial death, the sacrificial death of his son. 
now that we are at our best because of Jesus. Just think of how, how our lives will expand and deepen by the means of his resurrection life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply saying it in a prodding pose. We sing and shout praises to our God through Jesus the Messiah. It should be a daily hallelujah. Not just a worship song, but your hallelujah should be your lifestyle. Your, your songs of joy, realizing that we were on our way to hell. We were on our way to this place of, of torment without a relationship with God. But God Amen. came down willingly, knowing that we didn't deserve it, knowing that there was nothing that we could do to earn our salvation, knowing that there was nothing that we could do to, to gain our relationship with God or to somehow get on his good side. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of our sin and filth and depravity, Jesus laying down all that he was and all of his rights to save the sinful soul that he loved. That is every single one of you. Every single one of you. Remember, greater love, greater love hath no man in this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Now, you may not have to literally lay down your life for your faith, even though you might have to someday. It's coming. But, you are called to lay down your life in the hands, uh, at the feet of Jesus and go wherever, whenever he leads and wherever he wants you to. To seek, seek, seek the justice in this world, not wait for something to go wrong to compel you to compassion. I'm so tired of writing my thoughts and prayers about what happens on Facebook and not living the answer to my prayer. Come on. It is so much more than just saying, oh, I'm sorry about the wildfires in California. I'm sorry that the world is breaking apart. I'm sorry about the floods in Houston, Texas, in Texas and in Corpus Christi. I'm sorry about these things. I'm going to pray for you. Well, guess what? God has called you and it does call you sometimes to be the very answer to your prayers. We are Christ represented here on this earth. As I said before, in the good things that we do, and the bad things we do. As I said, to seek justice in this world, not just wait for something to go wrong in order to fill you or to compel you to be compassionate. We need to seek out the problems in this world. When it's dark, you use a flashlight. We are that light. We're supposed to shine in the darkness. Micah 6.8 says he has shown you this is your homework he has shown you oh man what is good what does the lord require of you this is your job it says to seek justice to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god to seek justice not wait for something to happen not wait for something to bring you to tears in order to compel you to action but to go beforehand to keep that evil from happening this is our job. 
The Bible commands us and compels us to intentionally look for ways to make this world a better place and to stop holding back the greatest gift God has ever given you and keeping it to yourself all for the sake of comfort. It's hard stuff. But this is something we need to understand. This is something I want my youth to understand. When you come here, you're not coming here just because you say you're a Christian or because it's something to do. You're coming here to prepare for battle. We need to understand this. We need to recognize the privilege it is to be called children of God. In the book's Moments Together for Couples, which is funny because I'm single, um, in the book's Moments Together for Couples, it tells a story of the king of rock and roll, Paul McCartney. Well, Elvis, sorry. I'm a big Beatles fan. But it tells a story of the king of rock and roll, and it reads as follows. It says, After Elvis Presley died, newspapers told of people who almost made him God over their lives. One young man in Florida actually had plastic surgery to alter his face to look like the king. He said, Elvis Presley has been my idol since I was five years old. I have every record he has ever cut twice over. Pictures by the thousands, even two leaves that fall from a tree from the mansion in Memphis. But the tragic words of his interview fell flat as he confessed in the end. But I never got close to him. I never saw him. I never knew him. I wonder if you and I will stand before God on the day of judgment and confess. I represented you, or I was present, but I never got close to you. I never knew you deeply. I never counted the cost. Or worse yet, I was so busy about the work of Sunday Christianity without getting to know the Father of it all. What a tragedy it would be for us to live our our whole lives, going to church, hearing our purpose, and yet never having a genuine and real relationship with Jesus. To sit here every morning and Wednesday night and not make an eternal difference. I invite you this morning, church, to count the cost of your salvation today, to truly know your role specifically, individually, in God's kingdom, and what it costs, and sometimes more importantly, what it demands, what it truly means to show greater love to those around you, and to seek justice knowing that God is always stronger than the darkness. If you don't know this love, if you've never experienced Jesus, real Jesus, not religion, not religion, not trying to gain your way into heaven, but acceptance of who God is and what he has done for you. If you don't know your spiritual purpose, the reason why you are here, I invite you to come to the altar and experience a God who literally loves the hell out of you. To experience a God who literally went to hell and back just to show you how much he loves you. And for everybody else, all these believers in this body, if God truly lives inside of you, what are you doing to show you? 
show others that he does. Thank you, God, for your love that we don't deserve, that you so freely give us. We lay down our lives, God. Give us the strength to recognize the cost. Thank you, God, for the example of those who have died and who still die, who put their lives on the line in the underground church because they love you and they're willing to sacrifice their lives and their families and their security because they know that this world is not their home. Give us the strength that they have. Let this church and this sleepy nation of America wake up and realize its purpose. You are stronger than the darkness and I'm tired of being so comfortable with the darkness. I'm tired of, of, of clothing myself in this version of Christianity that shows no difference, that makes no difference in a world that is hurting and needs your absolute truth. Show us how to follow you, genuinely. Show us to seek justice. Give us the strength to be soldiers for Christ, no matter the cost. If we say we love you, if we say we represent you, then show us what that costs. In Jesus' name, in the name of the only one who saves. Amen.